I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. I want to sort of come to you now, uh, Radhika, and how large can a social commerce company really become? And I ask you this question that you know we all know about Amazon. You know, it's called the everything store right now. There's not a single business which Amazon is not into practically. Uh, so really, I mean, how large can a social commerce business really be? And are these two different things, an e-commerce company and a social commerce company? What if tomorrow Amazon starts leveraging social media in a very, very big way? Because they have all the logistics support in the world. They have the knowledge, they have the wherewithal, and they have the capital. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, this is an interesting set of uh, future gazing questions. Um, so the first one, which is, you know, how large can uh, a social commerce company be? I, I think if you were to go back to some of Mohit's uh, previous responses as well, uh, and say, uh, you know, flip the question around a little bit and say, what does it really take to be a successful social commerce company? Uh, and to do that in a manner that is profitable to yourself, but also creates value for both the uh, sellers as well as buyers on the platform. One of the big themes that came out uh, of everything that Mohit said was really the point around scale um, and scale in many different ways. Uh, the first is uh, obviously, you know, a large component of uh, social commerce and why people come and buy is because they're able to discover new products that um, they may not necessarily be able to find elsewhere or, you know, they're able to catch new trends early and so on, which naturally translates into making sure that you've got, uh, you know, fairly wide uh, assortment, you're continuously uh, refreshing as well. The other component of um, scale was what we uh, spoke about in the context of uh, pricing. So uh, obviously, you know, it is the scale that enables you to drive down prices on the supply side. It is also the scale that enables you to drive down logistics costs. Uh, and, you know, that scale is a different type of scale. It is it, it basically making sure that you've got uh, local volumes uh, that enable you to uh, supply more efficiently. Uh, and so in, in some sense, you know, I, I would ask the question a little bit differently, which is, um, uh, do these businesses actually benefit from uh, from achieving the kind of uh, scale? And is there a little bit of a natural flywheel that gets built in, which is as you get bigger, you, you're actually able to deliver more value and therefore you get bigger and, and, and so on. Um, if you were to ask me to put a, a, a number on it, you know, I think that's where the crystal ball gazing comes in. But I, fundamentally, in terms of how the business operates and where value is created, this is this is how I would think about it. Uh, at, at this point, you know, Mohit, I'd love to bring you in to see if you have a different uh, answer on this one. Yeah, look, it's all it's always uh, wrong to to project in the future, given we really don't have a clue. But here, here are some some uh, guidelines, right? If you're doing thirty billion dollars worth of sales today, we expect nothing less than a hundred billion dollars, uh, you know, in the next uh, decade. 
if you have two very large companies that are worth tens of billions of dollars, when we last saw them getting priced, and we don't know what Amazon India really means internally because it's it's not a separate company, uh, then clearly as you do a 3x in terms of the size of the market, you will see very, very large companies getting created. All you have to do is look at you know the US, the China, or look at frankly every every country in the world uh, in these large markets which have a billion people in population like China. I mean you have e-commerce companies that reach hundreds of billions of dollars worth of market cap. So this is an immensely uh, attractive space uh, for you to go build a, a company in, in the social commerce space. And frankly, Shrijan, not just in the social commerce space, which is what we've been talking about, but all the adjacencies that come about from it as well, right? The set of challenges for a hyper-local logistics company, which is able to now deliver down to the smallest cities and towns in the cheapest way, like we've been making the point, may not be serviced by today's logistics partners. And they'll be solving a different problem. If the market is that large, it's important for you to understand there'll be segmentation in terms of users, in terms of vendors. And I think there are lots of opportunities for startups to get created, even in the adjacencies like logistics, like payments, and so on and so forth uh, to support the growth of social commerce. So we have seen this play out in the first wave of e-commerce also. A lot of logistics companies got built out. You have examples of the likes of delivery also, which got funded. A lot of payment companies got funded. A lot of spillover effect was seen. But I'm most excited about what Mohit just said, that perhaps the next e-commerce company will not be on the existing e-commerce companies that are out there. The next $100 billion commerce, the social commerce company. And I would like to see that if it is not Amazon, which is the future of e-commerce. And I wanted an answer to that. That's, that's really interesting. Uh, and I think we spoke about quite a few things. We spoke about opportunities. We spoke about perhaps the existing challenges or the existing gaps which need to be fulfilled to have exponential growth for social commerce. We spoke about the global parallels. We spoke about how China is doing it. Radhika also highlighted the fact that, you know, uh, pricing plays a very important role. You gave an example of group buying side. Uh, Mohit took us beautifully through Misho and the various kind of businesses being built digitally, content, commerce, communities, and we spent quite a bit of time there. I think we have to not talk really about what really is being spoken so much in every tech conversation, perhaps, or every tech story that we read. I mean, there's a growing power of big tech and really sort of clubbing them as monopolies. We talk about a Facebook or Google and, of course, WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. When you have so many of these uh, in the so-called mom and pop stores and coming on this wave of social commerce, essentially leveraging these large platforms, are we not making them all the more powerful than what they already are? You know, I mean, they have uh, negotiating powers in terms of, you know, they take content from media websites, in terms of advertising, in terms of whatever they do, right? I mean, they are monopolistic. So in terms of uh, going forward the social commerce way, how critical do we factor in these risks the risks of uh, over dependence on these networks that is one and the second thing is that consumers from time to time go through this sentiment of tech lash if you will the entire thing of going against facebook which is a very big phenomenon how do we factor some of these very very credible and important risks which are there in the world of social 
they can also be influencer fatigue for instance because there's so many influencers out there even now i will begin with you mohit perhaps what is your answer because these are very large risks considering the potential investment in companies like this and then get on to radhika sure um so first I, one thing i have learned by doing 15 years of venture investing is uh nothing stands still and as big as everyone or any one platform any one company is uh i can assure you that customers vote with their feet and it is a matter of time for certain platforms that are incredibly uh, uh you know powerful and engaging today get replaced with something else that the next set of millennials find even more engaging and all you have to do is look back at the social networks and the social communities that you were using say 10 years back 5 years back and you'll see that change and that shift that's happened so what we're talking about here is social commerce it is uh it is basically the underlying point there is it doesn't matter on which platform these influencers uh and these communities get built whichever platform they are on tomorrow and you know we've seen new platforms like vertical platforms around fitness for example get created we've seen uh, large new you know platforms getting created on health um or we are seeing sort of you know segments like gamers get onto you know platforms like discord and other they will keep choosing new platforms new technologies new companies where they want to hang out on and this social commerce phenomena will flow with them as the users move from platform to platform wherever they feel most comfortable to hang out and build their communities social commerce sort of follows them onto those platforms so i just wanted to make that first point saying uh at least my belief is it's a transient thing uh that you're naming some of the companies that you are yes they're very strong today yes they have fantastic distribution today and that's because their products are working for the consumers but let me assure you by being in the venture business there are so many startups aiming uh their shots at all the existing large companies in order to sort of provide a better experience for our consumers to move there so that's point number 1 i think if you really ask me the the takeaway for your question really on social commerce is actually the opposite which is social commerce truly is allowing for a democratization for small sellers small sellers are actually left out of the e-commerce revolution today because only the large brands sort of sell online mostly uh, today but small sellers as a result of social commerce will actually be able to embrace the internet more fully like we've talked about here today so the biggest beneficiary of this is not going to be one or two companies the biggest beneficiary of this is actually going to be the tens of millions of you know smaller businesses and wholesalers and fabrics and wholesalers and uh artisans and so on and so forth who are going to come online for the first time and build their businesses online for the first time that are going to be the real final beneficiaries so one of the reasons we're most excited about the social commerce and why we put out this report together is i think it's good for india i think india is going to see a fantastic set of livelihoods of people you know look at look at uh, misha as an example uh, the millions of housewives who actually wake up every morning to look at their misha app to see what products and services they should personalize and then send to their friends and family is putting millions of housewives and you know there's a great advertisement that they put out where you know the woman of the house is known as mom and known as wife and so on and so forth but now she's known as you know the business woman as a result of her sort of being able to earn her own livelihood sitting at home and being sort of being part of the mobile internet revolution so uh, i actually feel the democratization of smbs and housewives coming online to build businesses is the headline uh, that that social commerce underlines 
Radhika, I want to take a stab at that. Mohit said that perhaps we should shift our focus and double down the fact that democratization of uh, really the social commerce space in terms of getting small and medium business owners online and perhaps what examples like Nishu and all are doing it, huge beneficiaries. And he also alluded to the fact that the monopolistic or the very powerful platform perhaps might not be the same 10 years from now. Mohit spoke about the sellers uh, who, are, uh, who are now able to come online and who have access to much larger uh, audience and potential customers base than they did um, the uh, there's an another layer in the middle you know you spoke about influencers you said uh, aren't people sick of influencers I think uh, uh, what we're starting to see is you know the the social commerce intermediation layer in some sense is uh, creating space for not just your large influencers who might be organized and have followings but really um, you know these small housewives that Mohit spoke about for example are just people who are let's say respected in their communities uh, you're building upon your existing social cachet, that existing network, expanding it gradually. And so we don't uh, see this as uh, monopolistic at all. In some sense, it's it's exactly the inverse of that. Okay, so non-monopolistic, but democratization is what we are looking at. But I personally believe that social commerce in the present form perhaps is really leveraging the power of big tech. And one really can't deny that it is in terms of Instagram, just owned by Facebook or WhatsApp, again, owned by Facebook. Uh, the last set of questions, really, and I have both of you. And Mohit, I can't let you go off without you answering this question. 2020 went by the pandemic was what it was, really. I think the way we assess risk for almost all of us, India Inc., corporates or VCs will not be the same going forward. The meaning of risk will fundamentally change. All of us have been jolted out of our black swan blindness. None of us really factored in risk in this way. I want to understand from you that 2021 comes, January is around the corner. If you were to give me two or three key driving investable themes for next year, which you're doubling down on, what would those be? Social commerce, you can't name. We have discussed about 45 minutes in that. Besides that, the next three themes that you think are extremely bullish on. I'll pick two for you. Um, one consumer and one uh, enterprise. So first in the consumer, I think the pandemic has certainly taught us all that while we were going through the worst ever health crisis, none of us wanted to visit a hospital for obvious reasons. And it gave rise to this whole uh, aspect of remote healthcare, uh, teleconsultations at its simplest level, but being able to sort of have uh, you know, a scarce set of doctors service a you know, very large population using technology as the interface. We made a very exciting investment uh, this year in a company that essentially uses sensors, uh, things like glucose meters, things like weight machines and you know, fitness uh, bands to learn about you and your body and how it metabolizes certain foods. And by just simply sort of following you, they are able to create a artificial intelligence twin of you and your body and are able to use that to actually reverse diabetes. And I kid you not, it's early to way too early to de declare victory, but the science has gotten to a point that I can actually keep track of how your body reacts to different food groups and use that to essentially uh, you know, create health tech companies of the future that will allow doctors to have a much larger span of control in a much more automated, much more online way. And we are super excited about that theme to see when, when the internet, uh, internet devices, 
uh, artificial intelligence meets healthcare, that mix uh, is a very interesting set of companies and insights that comes out of it. So that's one. The second thing which I feel uh, is uh, India is going to really benefit from is, uh, you know, India has uh, obviously ridden the wave uh, around services, IT services, I mean, really well. But now in this next decade, I think India is going to be the hotbed of enterprise software products, software that is built in India for the world. And as our SMBs in India, as our mid-market customers in India, as our large enterprises in India, you know, start to use more and more software, there'll be a domestic market for it as well. But our Indian entrepreneurs have grown up being very global. And so lots and lots of teams are going after building software products for both vertical and horizontal needs for enterprises all across the world. And so the number of SaaS unicorns, as they call them, the number of software as a service companies in India, uh, you know, is, is you can count them on one hand today. But I expect that number to, you know, grow sixfold or sevenfold in the next uh, five to 10 years as the number of SaaS companies from India explode and succeed. Thanks, Mohit. That was very well laid out. I think on the subject of social commerce, so one trivia, if each of you have to name your favorite social media influencer, who would that be? I'll start with you, Radhik, and then get on to you, Mohit. You're now uh, <laughs> putting me on the spot, Srija, to see, uh, to see how many people I follow. Um, I'm actually going to name someone who's uh, not Indian. Uh, she's a French woman called Justine Leconte. And uh, the reason I actually speak about her is because uh, she's somebody who has a very interesting uh, background. Um, she's uh, she's you know an ex-digital marketer who's now set up her own fashion business. Uh, is is now a designer and runs her own business, but I think uh, you know brings together this fascinating amalgamation of history, uh, fashion, business, linking them all together in the stories that she tells. Uh, and to me, you know, is is one of the um, one of the epitomes of what I would look for in an influencer. Is actually somebody who's interesting uh, and not just peddling products. And uh, if I were to tie that back to the conversation we were having right now, it's about content and engagement, uh, and then, you know, commerce off the back of that, honestly, as opposed to the other way around. Mohit, what about you? I'm going to pick a name that's uh, my my little nine-year-old's favorite. It's called The Beast. <laughs> uh, and and I, and I want to pick it just to point out, which I think is the, the, uh, the impact of gaming on India, and India's ecosystem has been fairly low, but I think it's about to change. And this next, uh, you know, generation is very deep into online gaming and is only sort of, you know, it's only growing as a phenomena. And so there are a bunch of influencers. Uh, and, you know, when you say influencers in this world, it's actually watching other people play games. It's actually, you know, following uh, how uh, they sort of, you know, uh, navigate these different games. That's become a massive fan following on places like YouTube and others. So uh, Mr. Beast is my vote. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mohit, and thank you, Radhika, for putting your time and energy to this. I think we had a very lovely conversation today. We unraveled various aspects of social commerce, and thank you for putting up this meeting. To all our viewers, watchers, and readers here, write to me at shrija.aatlivement.com for any questions or queries. And perhaps if we have enough, we can have Radhika and Mohit again, the second dispatch on social commerce. Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, Radhika, for joining. Thank you, Mohit and Radhika, and wish you all the best. Season greetings and Happy New Year. Thank you. To you thank as you. well, all your listeners. Thank you.
This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.